Good morning. So my name is Carissa. I have met most of you before, um, but I'm really excited to be sharing with you today and happy to see your faces here this morning. Um, uh, my husband, John, and I go here and my three-year-old, he um, just turned three in June. So he just moved up from like the nursery section of Mosaic Kids to what he calls big kids. So he's in big kids and he is loving it. It is his first experience with more of like an academic or classroom setting. Um, and the other day I was driving and he was in the back and we were just chatting and he started telling me about how at big kids they learned about how Jesus got knocked down by a mean guy and nobody helped him and then one guy helped him. <laughs> So clearly he's talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I was, I was so proud that he had absorbed so much of the story that I didn't have the heart to tell him that it wasn't Jesus. That like not every drawing of a guy with a beard and a robe is Jesus. Um, besides like the correct Sunday school answer is always Jesus, right? And if you think about it, Jesus said that anyone in need is representative of him. So I think my three-year-old is probably making this profound theological statement about how all of wounded humanity is connected to Jesus, right? Okay, maybe not, but it was still really cute. It is it's such a weird feeling for me to have a child in Sunday school. It, it brings back so many memories for me of my own childhood growing up in Sunday school, and some of those memories are, are kind of complicated. How many of you guys went to Sunday school as kids? A lot of you. Yeah, how many of you went because your parents made you go? Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe you enjoyed it, but you knew that if you didn't want to go, there wasn't really a choice involved. You guys are my people. You get it. Um, it wasn't until I was in my 20s and living on my own that I woke up one Sunday morning and I was like, hey, wait, I don't have to go to church. Like, I could sleep in if I want to. <laughs> and it was about the same time that I realized I didn't have to eat my lima beans. And I haven't eaten one since. Um, Christianity and the practice of attending or belonging to some type of church is so common in our culture that most people have some sort of experience or connection to it. For many of us, that connection has been our entire lives. Like we grew up going to church um, with our parents or with our grandparents. Um, a lot of us are even like we can say, oh, you know, my, my uncle was a preacher or my grandpa or, you know, different things like that. Um, and a lot of us have a lot of really happy memories connected to that. But many of us have also had some religious experiences that were unpleasant or uncomfortable, or maybe even damaging. Perhaps it was the way we were treated by a religious leader or by a congregation. Uh, maybe it was certain things we were taught about God or ourselves or the Bible. Um, the way the scripture was interpreted. If your story is one of those, I want you to know this morning that you are not alone. I want to affirm that your experiences are real and the hurt that might still linger from them is valid. And that the Spirit of God is with you in the middle of this, hurting with you and ready to bring comfort and healing to those places in your story. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Isaiah 61. When I first really paid attention to and learned this Bible passage, I was 17 and I was deeply depressed. And I didn't think this could ever be true for me. I grew up in a conservative evangelical environment, and some of my earliest memories are of how much I love God and how much I knew he loved me. But as I traveled through my adolescent years, my parents and their spiritual community became increasingly more legalistic and narrow. The Bible was interpreted a very specific, narrow, and literal way. And the accepted and questioning the accepted interpretation in the community was really discouraged. God was represented as somehow both a God who was severe and got angry when people messed up and would punish people, send them to everlasting torment if they didn't get things right, and also a God of unconditional love, which was a really confusing message. And women were represented as worthy of less authority and autonomy than men. Um, They were told they weren't allowed to speak or have any kind of voice in a church setting, and they're expected to wear head coverings to show their submission to their father or husband. Children had even less autonomy They were expected to just accept without questioning whatever their authority figure, their father, usually told them, um, and to obey cheerfully and instantly, and told if they were rebellious that they were going to be punished by their parents and probably God. When all of this created a crisis of faith for me, that legalistic environment that I was a part of forced me deeper into legalism in an effort to obtain approval and love. To this day, I'm really surprised I didn't self-destruct. But by the great mercy of God, when I reached rock bottom, I decided there had to be a better way, a better God. And I set out looking for him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Spirit kept whispering passages like this to me, passages of undeniable freedom and hope, and I grabbed a hold of these lifelines with both hands and began my journey of deconstruction. Of course, I didn't label it this at the time. I just knew that what I had was killing me, and there had to be something better. I believed deep inside God had to be better than that. I came upon the, de- the term deconstruction later in online communities of people who, like me, had had damaging spiritual experiences growing up. If you aren't familiar with this term, John Williamson, a Christian writer and blogger, gives a definition that pretty succinctly um, 
outlines what this word means in this context. Deconstruction is a careful and deliberate examination of one's beliefs from the inside. It's about coming to terms with what you believe outside of your inherited beliefs. As an artist, I usually have a visual conceptualization of concepts like this. So I've always imagined deconstruction as tearing down an imprisoning brick wall around you. It's a process you're doing by hand. It takes time. It's labor-intensive. And it's very difficult because most of us have built our identity and our communities into this wall that's imprisoned us. It takes time and effort, and it's a difficult experience to tear this down. Not everyone has had religious experiences that were as damaging as mine were, but we all go through an experience of deconstruction. It's a natural part of the growth process. It's a natural part of growing into your faith and becoming a mature adult and follower of Christ. How many of you were taught something growing up that you no longer believe? right? A lot of us. Um, perhaps it was the condemnation of a certain behavior or lifestyle that you now find permissible or even commendable. Um, maybe it was a literal interpretation of a passage of scripture that you now believe is meant to say something different based on the context or the culture. Um, for instance, how many of you are taught that it's wrong to drink alcohol or to have tattoos? Okay, we're part of a church full of home brewers and tattooed people. So <laughs> obviously there's been some deconstruction on those levels for some of us. Um, or maybe we were taught to value certain things that we now believe to be unloving to others. Um, we all have a story in our lives of some type of deconstruction on some level. Um, and many of us have really agonized and suffered through that journey. I have met so many people who have struggled to, or are struggling to maintain their faith or have left the faith altogether because of the despair and captivity brought to them by those imprisoning walls. And I know enough of the people here at Mosaic to know that we have an especially robust number of people who have been hurt by the church or disenchanted by a religious setting or environment. Our stories all have different details, but there's a common theme, a theme of seeking to be released from imprisonment, despair, broken hearts, and weary souls. Something else that I've observed is that this journey for all of us can feel really lonely. I think that partly just comes from the nature of the journey itself. In order to deconstruct, we have to take a step back from our personal and communal origin stories and often permanently turn away from parts of them. Many of us currently have family members or former faith communities that disagree with some of the values that we cherish the most, and that's hard. That's really hard, and that can feel very lonely to feel that separation from our people. But underneath the pain and loneliness of this journey, I sense a deep opportunity to experience life. As individuals and as a community, through this journey, of tearing down walls. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news. This passage out of Isaiah was originally given to the Jewish people in exile. They were a people who were smack dab in the middle of a deconstruction journey that had been going on for generations. Abraham had been called out of a pagan people 
and given incredible promises for a future of freedom and prosperity, as well as being challenged at every turn to correct his view of God. His descendants built their identity around being this chosen people, people who are favored by God and promised great things. But if you read the stories of ancient Israel, you find that nothing ever went or stayed the way they expected it to. Prosperity turned into destruction, natural national pride into enslavement, and the people were always left questioning who they were and who God was and what was going on. Into the middle of this mess, the prophet Isaiah steps in with a message from God that their imprisonment and a heartbreak are not the final word. The struggle they are experiencing is not the ending, and this poverty is not their defining attribute. They are called on to deconstruct what they thought their religious expectations should be, and promised that they could indeed experience freedom. Fast forward a few hundred years. The nation of Israel, Abraham's descendants, are once again enslaved, this time to the empire of Rome. And another prophet steps up to speak to them. This time, his name is Jesus. Let's pick up the story in the account given by Luke in chapter 4, starting at verse 16. Jesus has just returned for his time of being tempted in the desert and begun his journey as a traveling rabbi. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Then Jesus begins to teach them a message about deconstruction, pointing out the times in Israel's history where God had chosen to um, bless outsiders and bring them in. Jesus went on throughout his entire ministry to expand on the theme of a loving, inclusive God who had a grand plan to save all of humanity from the prisons of despair, isolation, loneliness, nationalism, bigotry, and hate. Prisons much stronger and more damaging than any physical captivity. We as part of the 21st century church accept that this has been God's plan from the beginning. And often we can overlook a key element of God's ongoing interaction with humanity, Jesus demanded a massive deconstruction journey of anyone who chose to follow him. And he wasn't doing anything new. God has been pleading with us since the very beginning of time to tear down our walls, and he hasn't stopped. Just a cursory look at the history of the church will show us that the church has always been on this journey. The church originally continued to support cultural practices such as slavery, child abuse, and the oppression of women. And has only been with a huge struggle by individuals and communities that we have come collectively as a church to see these practices as wrong and in opposition to the true nature of God. People have been on this deconstruction journey as individuals and communities since the beginning. So... Mosaic, we're in good company. We are part of an epic human journey of release from darkness. Our individual deconstruction journeys combine to form a journey of humanity out of our prisons of hate, exclusion, self-destruction, and despair. 
Mosaic, our story matters. Not because we're any more important than any other group of people, but precisely because we're just human. We here at Mosaic are a small group of people with disagreements, hang-ups, broken hearts, and questions held together by a longing for a God who promised to release us from darkness. We represent our generation and our culture and are honestly struggling to deconstruct ideals or religious beliefs that we have found to be destructive to ourselves and to those around us. And the beautiful thing is we're doing it together. Because this journey, no matter how lonely it can seem at times, is not something we do alone. And in this community, you are welcome to question and struggle and cry and be angry and voice your opinion. We are held together not because we agree on everything, but because we believe in a good God who loves every single human, including me and you and our undocumented neighbor, and our imprisoned friend, and our corrupt political leaders, and our friends who are victims of racism, and our police officers, the rich people who own the corporations that run our lives, the poor people we see begging down at the grand movie theater downtown, the religious leaders who have abused their power, and the people who hate Christians because they've been victims of abuse our family members, and our former communities who have stood in the way of our deconstruction journey. Mosaic, we believe in a world where love wins. We are on a journey to tear down walls that keep people captive to hate, exclusion, and fear. And your journey of deconstruction is not one you are making alone. Our journey of deconstruction is a communal journey. Our journey of deconstruction is a communal journey. You are safe here. If you're on a journey of deconstruction, you're in the company of followers of God throughout all of history. You are not the exception. You are the rule. And today, I want to invite you to begin to share your journey. None of us will get it all right. But the only way to grow and to love is to tear down these walls that imprison us. And the most effective way to share that love with others is to create a community where we can do it together. Our, de- our journey of deconstruction is a communal journey. And by sharing your beautiful, broken, individual journey with this community, you can help create an impact that reaches far beyond your own circle to help others find a path to freedom. So how does that work? How do we start finding community in the middle of our journey? There are a couple things I have learned from my own personal experience and from observing and talking to other people about their own experiences that I think might be helpful. Number one, share your story. It all starts with sharing your own story of deconstruction with others, sharing your own struggles and questions where you are in the middle of the process. The prospect of sharing something so personal and vulnerable can be really intimidating, especially if you have been rejected or judged in the past. So find somebody safe. Any of the leaders here at Mosaic will be glad to sit down and get a coffee or drink with you. We can answer questions or provide a sounding board. And more importantly, we can help you connect with other people here who can walk and grow with you. Your personal story is important. It is vital. Your questions and your thoughts deserve to be heard. Not only for your sake, but for ours. We need them. Two, don't give up on community. 
It can be tempting after being burned a few times or after years of struggling to overcome spiritual abuse and oppression to decide it's safer to reject the church altogether. Or maybe just to come and sit and not engage. But we aren't built to function, much less create lasting change to destructive paradigms alone. We need each other. Jesus is at work not just in our individual stories, but through the church. I personally wouldn't have ever arrived at a place where I am completely convinced of the love of God if, it ha- if I hadn't stayed around those who were pursuing Jesus. And I'm sure there are many others here in this body today who have process- processed different aspects of their faith and worldview because of those who are cheering them on. Not every community that claims to follow Jesus is safe or healthy, but God is at work through his church, and there are communities in our world and right here in Lincoln of people who are pursuing him and are here to help you on your journey. Mosaic, our journey of deconstruction is a communal journey. You are not alone, and you are safe here. Join us as we together work to pull down the walls that imprison not only us, but our city, our culture, and our world. Would you pray with me? Dear Papa, Jesus, our brother, spirit, our sister, our friend, we thank you so much for walking with us down this broken road. Sometimes it can be so confusing, overwhelming, disheartening but it's also full of joy and ever-advancing freedom. God, I pray for those in this body today who are hurting right now, who are looking for a way to experience freedom, who are looking for people to walk with. God, I pray that you would create those connections for us, that you would create that space and that freedom, that room to breathe inside of our hearts. Bind up our brokenness, God. We all have it. And help us to experience your life. 